All right. Well, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Um, like I said last week, uh, some of you probably didn't get to tune in last week, but last week I made the claim that whoever starts teaching, uh, whenever I make something, make some kind of claim, uh, your response should be, show me in the word. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it because we're going to make some claims today and I would love for you to uh, see those for yourself. Uh, I don't want to just tell you things. Don't take my word for it. The goal is that you see them in the word for yourself. And you can uh, open to Philippians chapter two. Um, it'll be a minute before we get there, uh, but that's where we will spend a large portion of our time. But to open us, I want to read a verse for you out of Matthew chapter 23. It says this in verse 11 through 12. It says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, my prayer is that the only thing that is exalted this morning is you through your word. And we thank you that that is exactly what you've done, um, that this word is all about the person and work of Christ on behalf of sinners. God, your word is perfect it revives the soul, it makes the wise simple, it makes wise the simple, it rejoices the heart, it endures forever. It's altogether true. So God, I pray that it would speak and I would get out of the way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we're talking about the habit of humility this morning. And let me just say from the get-go, that's an interesting topic. Uh, because if you know something about humility is that as soon as you start talking about it, it goes away, right? Like as soon as you start to vocalize your humility, it's gone. And it's, man, I was, I'm proud of how humble I was in that moment. You see how quickly we can lose it, right? I'm proud of how humble I was. As soon as you start talking about humility, it's gone. Tim Keller says that humility is shy. As soon as you start thinking about it or talking about it, it leaves. And here's the thing, my dilemma this whole week and kind of prepping for this and letting this message work on me before I even tried to present it to um, our congregation is that my, my dilemma is that the proud people won't listen to this for themselves. They'll start to hear this and go, yeah, so-and-so needs to hear that and so-and-so needs to hear that. And I wish someone could hear that. I'm gonna send this to my friend. And here's the thing, let me just level the playing field and... Uh, in my study this week, I have found that pride, the seeds of pride are deep within us. And would you be willing this morning, you don't have to do this out loud, but would you be willing this morning to say a quick prayer silently and say, God, um, reveal to me the parts of my heart and my mind and my actions um, that are proud. Would you be willing to do that? Because as soon as you think you're not proud, you're proud, right? And this is why this topic is so tricky. But we're gonna talk about it. And let me just say this, Pride is all in our culture. It's everywhere, right? We promote ourselves all the time. Social media is the prime example, right? Social media is not about being connected anymore, is it? It's about promoting yourselves. And if we are honest, our own accounts, our own profiles, they're just altars to ourselves, right? It's here's where I went and here's what I did. And here's me behind this cool scenery and background. And here's me with some other people. And here's what I ate for dinner and all these things. It's me, 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 right? It's not about being connected anymore. And we just, I don't wanna go down the road of the, uh, we have this new segment of business called Facebook marketing. And uh, if some of you may be a part of that, I don't hate Facebook marketing, but I think some of us, we can promote ourselves 
behind the disguise of promoting a product. And the question we should be asking is, what are we really promoting? Are we promoting this product or are we really promoting ourselves? In our culture, um, pride and being proud of yourself has actually become a virtue in 2020, right? It's virtuous to be proud of yourself and be confident in yourself. And we're gonna talk about the ins and outs of why this is so tricky, Um, but we celebrate it in today's culture. We definitely celebrate it. We try to turn our very name into a brand, right? And the the sickening part of this is it's in the church, right? We do this when we read our Bibles. It's, it's, yes, it's about intimacy with Christ, but I also want to let other people know, I want them to see that I read it because I, I want them to know that I'm spiritual. And we can sit there with our coffee and our latte looks pretty and our Bible's open and we can post a picture. And it's, man, I want other people to see that I'm reading the Bible. We even post verses, right? And we put our handle underneath it. Like, hey, and just in case someone shares this Bible verse, I wanna make sure that they know that I posted it. And you can see how tricky this is. And those are just the self-promoting things. I haven't even talked about um, how we look down on other people, right? Because they're less wealthy or um, the service was too slow or how dare they get my order wrong or how dare they mess up my schedule? How dare that light turn red? Clearly they don't know what I have going on. And we haven't even started talking about all the things that we aren't willing to do, right? We don't shop there. No, we don't do that. We don't wear that brand. I won't be seen in that. We don't eat at that restaurant. I won't be seen going there. And you can see how quickly we become proud, right? We're too proud to take others' advice. We're too proud to ask for help. We're too proud to admit when we're wrong. We're too proud to submit to authority. I could go on and on and on, but we are so, so prideful. The seeds of pride are deep within us. And here's the thing. It stems from this pursuit of we want to be great, don't we? We want to be great. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be praised. And this pursuit of greatness has caused us to be proud. And our culture tells us if you don't promote yourself, then you'll be forgotten. If you don't show yourself, if you don't draw attention to yourself, then everyone's just going to move on without you. And all throughout the day, what do we do? We try to direct attention to us. We try to put the focus on us. Look at me, look at what I'm doing. It's the running joke, right? If you went to the lake or to the beach and you didn't post about it, did you even go? Or was it worth even going if you didn't post a picture about it? We hear this all the time, right? Because for some reason in today's culture, good deeds and fun activities and things aren't worth doing unless other people notice that we did them. It's so deep in our culture. And here's the thing, this is where the tension happens is we've all heard those verses in the Bible that talks about what God thinks of pride, haven't we? So it's like, what do we do with those? And I, I just wanna read you a few of the many verses that talk about pride. Proverbs sixteen five says this, everyone who is arrogant in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. The Lord says he hates it. Proverbs 21, 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says this. Clothe yourselves with all, all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we could go on and on and on. There's so many verses in the scripture about how God is clearly opposing and hates and is against pride. So how do we be humble? Well, what is humility? 
And some of you maybe have heard the famous quote where humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And that is so true. And we'll talk about that. That's so true. There's actually a secular author. He's an op-ed writer for the New York Times. Um, His name is David Brooks. And he says something that I truly believe and I hope to show you in scripture. He says this, humility is not thinking lowly of yourself, but rather it's having an accurate view of yourself. Humility is seeing yourself accurately for who you really are. And that is so true. And I, my goal in these next few minutes is to do a flyover of scripture and to show you and show myself, show us how, how we are in scripture, how accurate, give us an accurate view of ourselves. Because my conviction this week is that humility at its core is just gospel perspective. Humility at its core is seeing the gospel for what it really is. And you can't see the gospel for what it really is until you see you for who you really are. The gospel doesn't become great until we see how great we or how not great we are. And that's my goal in these next few minutes. So hang with me. If you don't feel great after these next few minutes, it's because that's my goal, okay? So I'm just gonna go ahead and give you that. So, but before I talk about us, let's talk about God for a second. Let me give you a few verses, just a few in scripture that talk about God. Here's Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It says this, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Every single thing in this world is being held together right now by Jesus Christ. He's holding it together. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Psalms 19, verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God. Even creation declares how amazing and how glorious he is. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. We just sang about this. Isaiah 43, seven. Everyone who is called by my name. Check this out. This is us. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. You were created to give glory to God. That's why we exist, to glorify God along with creation, along with everything else in this world. It all exists to give God glory. First Corinthians 10 says this, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So God is all knowing, he's all powerful. He's holding the world together. He's created everything. It all gives him glory. We exist to give him glory. Yet for some reason we get on this earth and we go, no, I want the spotlight on me. And this is the story of creation in the Bible. This is the story of humanity. All throughout humanity since Genesis three is us trying to be like God. Humanity trying to make a name for themselves. The original sin in Genesis three was humanity trying to be like God. But this is what we do, right? We try to put the spotlight on us and we highlight our gifts and our talents and how awesome we are. And we forget that we exist to give God glory. Instead of pointing our light, our glory to the cross, we do this. Pay attention to me, focus on me. Check out where I went this weekend. Check out how great I am. We take camera crews when we give to people. Check out how generous I am, right? Focus on me. And that's what we do. But here's what the word says about us. Let me just give you a few. Isaiah 55 verse nine says this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. This is God talking about us. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, that's how much more majestic 
and wise God is than us. James 4, 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? This will make you feel really good. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, James is very generous here. I think we don't even know what today will bring, right? I don't know what this afternoon will bring. I have a good idea. I have a plan for this afternoon of what's gonna happen, but I don't know. I really don't. I don't have 100% certainty that what I think is gonna happen this afternoon is gonna happen. Every single one of us, our lives could change with a phone call and a text message. We are so fragile. We're here for a moment and we're gone. His ways are higher than our ways. John 15 verse five says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything without him. It gets worse, trust me. James 1 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is us. We don't have anything that hasn't been given to us from God. Our very breath, God is serving us right now as we speak. He's holding this world together. He's given us breath in our lungs. Every good and perfect gift in our lives, your talents, your abilities, your skills, all of those, you have those, but they're given to you by God. Your wealth, your possessions, your family, your ability to think and reason and speak, all of that is given to you by the God of the universe. Every single gift in this life. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, and this is where it gets interesting. What do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. Everything we have, we've received from God. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And this is exactly what we do. We think these are my skills. These are my abilities. This is my knowledge. These are my gifts. This is my athleticism. And we act like we've done something to attain it. And we forget that every single thing in our lives has been given to us by the God of the universe. And we boast and we act like all of this is because of the result of our doing. What do you have that you did not receive? Romans three, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Isaiah 64, six, we have all become like the one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Your translation may say filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. On our best day, our good works compared to God is like a filthy rag. This is what scripture says of us. On our best day, it's like a filthy rag. We have no reason to boast. No reason. Genesis 2-7, I should have said this earlier, but Genesis 2-7 says this, and then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Have you ever thought about this? Literally, the Lord God took dust from the ground. This is not dust, this is Play-Doh. I'm gonna try to make a man out of it real quick, but this is us. The Lord God made us from the dust of the ground. You don't have to zoom in on this or anything like that. It's, we're, it's meant to be small, right? This is us. Let me ask you this question. What rights does this person have? What rights do they have? We have no rights compared to God. A few minutes ago, we didn't even exist. 
He formed us from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into us. He's holding the world together. Every good and perfect thing, our very own lives are a gift from him. He's sustaining us. He's carrying us. He's allowing us to breathe right now. Every talent, every ability, every skill has been given to us. What rights do we have? How prideful is it for us to say, how dare God let me go through this right now? How dare God? No, there's no way that verse means what I think it, or what it says it means. There's no way it could mean, because if I were God, I wouldn't do that. Do you see how deep these seeds of pride are in us? You see how deep this is? This is a deep issue. We are way more prideful than we ever thought. And for some reason, where do we get off to be so entitled to think that we deserve things in this life? We don't. This, was us. this is us right now. A few minutes ago, we didn't exist. We're like a vapor here. One second, gone the next. The Lord God takes us, he breathes into us and every single thing that we have has been given to us from him. This is why James 4, 16 is so important. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. It's evil. We have no reason to boast. Let me give you this quote by Samuel Bringle. He says this, the ax cannot boast of the trees it is cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. He made it, he sharpened it, and he used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes only old iron. Oh, that I may never lose sight of this. This is our lives. Every single thing that we have is because the God of the universe has gifted it to us. He's made us. He chooses to use us. And on our best day, we offer him filthy rags. But boy, do we like to brag about those filthy rags. Hey guys, check out the verse I read this morning. Check out how spiritual I am. Check out how I gave to the needy. Check out how awesome I am. Look at what I did this weekend. Look at the skills I have. Look at the abilities I have. Pay attention to me. And everything in this life exists to give glory to God. And here we go trying to give glory to ourselves. You can see why God would oppose this, but this is what we do. So let me stop for a second and ask you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling after all of that? And here's the thing. This is why I think in the American church, we need to stop telling people how amazing they are. We do this thing where we tell people, man, you're just so, God is so impressed with you. He's so glad. He's, he's so amazed by you. He's not. On our best days, we offer him filthy rags. And then it's like, okay, of course God would save me if he's amazed with me. If he thinks I'm incredible, of course God, does. I mean, he knows me, right? He would, he would totally save me. I have so much to offer him. We love verses like, here I am, send me, because it's like, oh yeah, God, you need something done here. I'll go do it for you, right? That's not what that verse is about. Everything that we do is being used by God, but we love that. God, let me take care of that. You, you chill out. Here I am, send me. Let me go do this for you. We love verses like that. It's a very American thing to talk about those verses. Yeah, let me go do this for God real quick. It's not what we're going for here. But here's the thing. This is why the gospel is so crucial. This is why humility is just having gospel perspective because the gospel keeps you from being proud. It keeps you from being arrogant that on our best day, we have not much to offer, but it also keeps us from being in despair because I've only told you half the story. I've only told you half of what scripture says about us. And here's the thing. So many of you guys, so many of us, we fool ourselves into thinking we're not proud and we start being very negative towards ourselves. And instead of saying, I'm awesome, I'm, Eric, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm great. 
I have all these abilities. We say, I'm not awesome. I'm not pretty. Can we talk more about how not qualified I am? I'm not this, I'm not that. And we're still just as self-centered as the arrogant person is. We're still only wanting to talk and be obsessed with ourselves. And we fooled ourselves. And the gospel is so awesome because it keeps us from being proud, but it also keeps us from being in despair. And the opposite of being prideful is not thinking bad about yourself. It's not being in despair. It's not. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we're small. Yes, we're sinful. Yes, there's no one righteous. On our best days, we offer filthy rags to him, but praise be to God that he looks down on us and he loves us, that he chose us, that he decided to act when we were rebellious, when we were sinful, when we were doing nothing but running away from him, he decided to move in. We have worth because of what he has done for us, because he made us, because he chose us. Titus 3, four and five says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because of our works, not because we deserved it, but according to his own mercy. Praise be to God that he saved us. John, 1 John four ten. this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans 5, 8, but God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And this is why the gospel is so important. You will never be humble apart from the gospel because the gospel keeps you from being able to boast because we offer nothing in and of ourselves. We have nothing to bring. We can't boast. Everything we have is given to us from him and we don't despair because even in our inability, even in our lack, even in our sin, Christ chose us, he died for us, he loves us, he redeemed us. We can't be proud and we can't despair. The gospel keeps us right in the middle. Tim Keller says this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the gospel. It keeps us right in the middle. The very one, from whom we deserved hell, gave us heaven's best. And he still continues to serve us every single day. He's serving us right now. He's holding this world together. He's giving us breath in our lungs. We don't deserve any of it. And he gave us heaven's best. And here's the thing, when we become prideful, when we try to go, try to be seen and be heard and be praised by others, it's because we've forgotten the gospel. Pride is forgetting the gospel because the gospel tells us that we are seen, that Jesus Christ sees us in our sin. He sees us in our brokenness. He sees us in our inability to save ourselves. And he did something decisive about it. It tells us that we're heard, right? Jesus is God's answer to the cries of his people. There's joy found in him. There's peace found in him. There's eternal life found in him. He hears us. It gives us our significance. We don't have to go out and try to be significant because we already have our significance in Christ. And when we're proud, when we're trying to draw attention to ourselves, it's because we've forgotten the gospel. We've forgotten the significance that we have. We've forgotten that we're seen. We've forgotten that we're heard. And we go and try to find it in lesser things that will never satisfy our souls. So how do we actually walk in humility? I wanna take us to Philippians 2 and we're gonna land here. I want Christ to be our example of this. Christ is the ultimate example of humility. I wanna give you some practical takeaways um, on how to walk in humility. 
And uh, let me read this to you. This is Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. He says this. So if there's, this is Paul writing, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And Paul starts asking these rhetorical questions, right? He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, and let me just ask you, is it encouraging that the God of the universe saw us in our brokenness and decided to do something about it? And he loves us and he chose us and he has grace for us and we're living in his mercy right now. Is that encouraging? You see what Paul's doing right here. He's, he's asking these rhetorical questions. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from being loved, are you, is it comforting that the God of the universe loves you and he knows your name and he knows how many hairs are on your head or lack thereof? Is that encouraging to you? And Paul starts asking these rhetorical questions. Then he says, if those are true, and they are true, then he says this in verse two, complete my joy. And he's saying that because he's their pastor. He's their leader. Make me happy by getting along with each other and be humble. Verse three, this is where I wanna get to. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Now notice he doesn't say, don't have any ambition. He says, do nothing of selfish ambition. Jesus had ambition. He wasn't sitting around with his disciples like, I don't know guys, what do y'all wanna do today? He had ambition, but his ambition was never to serve himself. It was to serve others. And this is why humility is so key. When you stop trying to go win the approval of others and be seen by others and heard by others, it will free you up to be able to serve others. Instead of trying to get their gaze, you'll start to be able to serve them. And this is what humility does. It frees us up in the ability and giving us, we're able to serve people. But he says, do nothing of selfish ambition. Paul had ambition. Paul was very ambitious, but his ambition was to spread the gospel to the nations, to serve others, to lay down his life so that others could hear the gospel. And then he says this, or conceit. Your translation may say vain conceit. Why does it say, why does it have two different options here? The word conceit in the Greek literally means empty glory. And that's why your translation may say vain conceit, but it means empty glory. And so many of us, man, we wake up every day and we pursue empty glory. We pursue our own praise, our own significance. We want people to look at us. All of those things are empty. So many of us, if I can be honest, we wanna be so great at work while we're neglecting being praised at home. And we can sacrifice so much time with our family for our job that someone else is gonna have in 25 years when no one else will be able to call you mother or father if you're a parent. We give up a role that's only ours for a job that someone else is gonna have in 20 years. Empty glory. We pursue these things that aren't gonna matter when this is all said and done. Pharisees did this. Read Matthew chapter six. This is all over Matthew six. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be praised. They wanted their righteousness to be seen by others. It was empty glory. And Jesus says, you give so that people will see you and praise you, right? You pray with big words and you pray in the streets so that people will see you and hear you. You fast so that people will see on your face that you're tired and that you're hungry and they'll praise you. And Jesus says, truly, they have received their reward that empty glory that they were going for, the sad thing is he'll give it to us. And that's all we get. You're reading your Bible and posting about it so you'll be praised by other people. Yeah, that's what you'll get. You'll get their praise, but that's it. We pursue this empty glory and we'll receive it, but it's empty. 
Jesus says they've received their reward. So he says, nothing of selfish ambition, but have ambition for others or vain conceit, empty glory. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Notice he doesn't say other people are more significant than you. He says, count them that way. And this is why the gospel is so important because when you're not trying to find your significance in this world and in our actions and in praise of men, it frees you up to count other people more significant than you. And this is the key here. Humility is not being puffed up. It's being filled up. It's not being puffed up. It's being filled up with the gospel that I have my significance in Christ. I have his love. I have joy in knowing him. I have peace in knowing him. I don't have to go try to find pleasure or peace or joy in other things. And we do this, right? And here's the thing. It's possible for you to leverage your social media for the sake of others, but it won't make you feel as good. We love that empty glory. We love posting and that dopamine where we post and then instantly people react to what we've done or what we've accomplished or our abilities or how impressive our photo is. It's possible, but it's gonna be really hard. Count others more significant than yourselves. It's not being puffed up or it's not being, yeah, it's not being puffed up, it's being filled up and it frees us up to serve people. And notice here's our example in Christ. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. So this is possible. Have this mind above, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So it's possible for you to have it, but you can only have it in Christ. And here's what he did. Here's the mind that we should have. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he was in the form of God, Jesus Christ. He is equal with God. He has eternally existed. He is on the same level as the God of the universe. We talk about this. We're not gonna go through the whole Trinity today. Uh, we don't have time to do that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one in part, three in person. They are all equal. He was in the form of God, but he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. Now, here's the thing. If you look at the Greek, that word grasped means actually held onto or clutched. And it's actually a word that they use to describe thieves, that they would hold on to things for their own advantage. So here's what he's saying here. He did, not, he did not count this equality with God, something to hold on to for his own advantage, which he very well could have. But what did he do? He didn't say, I'm gonna stay in heaven and you guys just worship me and do it. He knew that we could never meet the standard. So he gave up, he emptied himself. Verse seven, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. What did he empty himself of? And this is debated, but it's very clear in scripture. Jesus did not empty himself of his divinity. He did not cease to be God. And if you look, there's actually, it tells you in the Greek, it's this word, the words are participles. And if you wanna to go to English class for a second, let me nerd out about the Greek for a second. Participles are those I-N-G words right? And they describe the verb. So if you want to know the verb is he emptied himself. If you want to know how he emptied himself, you look at the participles. And here's an example, right? Parker took the flashlight, swiping it and hiding it from the camera. See those two ing words, swiping and hiding. What do they do? They describe how I took it. That's what a participle does. It describes the verb. The verb is Jesus emptied himself. How did he empty himself? By taking the form of a servant. It doesn't say he gave up his divinity. And he was born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. And this is crazy to think about. If this doesn't make you feel great, I don't know what will. He emptied himself by becoming human. It's subtraction by addition. He lost things by becoming human. 
He emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? He emptied himself of his authority, right? He had all authority in heaven, but Jesus, when he came down to the earth, he submitted himself to the Father. Hebrews 5, 8, you can read it later, actually says he learned obedience. How crazy is that? The God of the universe literally had to learn how to be obedient to his Father because Jesus eternally existed in heaven. He was the authority. He's equal with God. He is one with God. But he came down to earth. He emptied himself of his authority and became obedient to the Father. He still had all authority compared to us, but he, became, he submitted to the Father. He emptied himself of his own glory and took on human flesh. Can you imagine this eternally existent God taking on human flesh that aches, that grows old, that fatigues, it gets tired? The God of the universe who existed forever became human and got tired and was tempted and grew weary. He emptied himself. He emptied himself of heaven's riches. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that Jesus borrows everything? He literally says, foxes have holes, birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to sleep. Are you sure you want to follow me? He borrowed everything. He borrowed a place to be born. He borrowed a manger. He borrowed a place to sleep during his ministry. He borrowed a boat to ride in and preach from. He borrowed an animal, a donkey to ride into town in his triumphal entry. He borrowed a room for the Passover. He even borrowed a tomb to be buried in. He emptied himself. He was eternally existent in heaven, had all of the riches of heaven and emptied himself and became a human. And being found in human form, verse eight, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So it wasn't just that he humbled himself by becoming a man. Still 100% God, 100% man. He humbled himself another level. And he wasn't just a man. He wasn't just an ordinary man. He was a servant. He served those around him. He washed dirt off the disciples' feet. He healed those. He fed others. He healed the sick. He loved others. He served others. Let me ask you this. What's beneath you? What's beneath me? If the God of the universe would step out of heaven and become a baby and have other humans change his diapers, what are you not willing to do? What am I not willing to do? What am I too good to do? You want to know where your pride is? Start with what's beneath you. Start with what you're too good to do. You're too proud to do. Where do we get off? And I'm including myself in this. Where do we get off thinking that we deserve things? That the very one who had it all and who deserves it all gave it all up so that we could know him and be in relationship with him. And we could have his righteousness. The very one who had it all gave it all for us. And he became a servant. And not only that, he was tortured. He was humiliated. He was beaten and mocked. They put a crown of thorns on him, carried through the street, carried a cross all the way through the street, no clothes, mocked, teased, humiliated, and tortured on a cross as an innocent man for us. Where do we get off thinking that we are entitled, that we deserve something? It keeps us from being proud and it keeps us from being in despair. This is why humility is so important. This is why the gospel is so important. And Jesus 
Paul doesn't stop there. Verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Jesus set the example of us of what true greatness is. All throughout the scriptures, his disciples are trying to get an edge on one another and asking if they can be at his right hand or his left in heaven. They're all trying to achieve this earthly worldly status. And Jesus says, that's not how you do it. I've set the example for you. If you wanna be great, be a servant. Matthew 23, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Here's the thing. And all of this starts with our pursuit of wanting to be great. The God ordained path to greatness is through servanthood and sacrifice and suffering. If you want to be great in this world, be a servant and sacrifice and suffer for the glory of God. This is exactly what Jesus has done. Jesus said, follow me. Where do you think he went? To the cross, to die. Where I don't understand I'm getting a little worked up here. I'm sorry. I don't get how we come to church in some, some places, some churches, and they give you three tips on how to live a more prosperous life. Where is that in the scriptures? Jesus said, follow me. And where did he go? He went to the cross. He leveraged every moment of his life to serve and sacrifice and suffer for others. And we should follow in his example. And you won't do that if you're not humble. You won't do that if you already know that everything you have has been given to you in Christ. What do you have that you did not receive? That he's given us everything. We can't be proud and we don't despair because he chose us and he redeemed us and he loves us. And we won't serve others if we're not humble. But the path, the, God, the path that God has ordained, if you want to be great this morning, it's gonna start with you being humble. And the path that God has laid out for us to be great is through suffering and servanthood and sacrifice. And you know this to be true. You know this to be true. Husbands, you want your wife to think you're great? How do you do it? You don't go home and remind her of what the office thinks of you and how great you are at work and how many sales you had this month, right? You don't go to your achievements. You want her to think you're great. What do you do? You humble yourself and you sacrifice and you serve her. And you plan a date night and you take her out and you go to a restaurant that's not rung with TVs and you listen to her with your face, right? That's what you do. You serve her. Dads, you want to be exalted among your kids? You want to be a great dad? What do you do? You don't go home and demand their respect. You'll get something. You'll get their fear, but you won't get their love. You won't get their respect. How do you gain their respect? You humble yourself and you get on the floor and you put your phone down and you stop looking at work emails and you play with them. You throw the ball with them. You play dolls with them. Some of you, some of us, the most spiritual thing that we could do today is to go out and play with our kids to put the phone down for a minute and go and serve our families. This is what we think about when you talk about the, those that have gone before us. If you have a relative that's passed away and we say, hey, what made them great? It's not their achievements. We don't remember those things. We remember all the things that they did to sacrifice for us and serve us and love us. That's what it means to be great. And you won't do that until you humble yourself and realize that everything you have has already been given to you by God. So we can't be proud and we can't despair. The God-ordained path to greatness is through servanthood and sacrifice and suffering. And it's the, it's the very thing 
that Jesus Christ has done for us. It's the very thing that our Savior has done for us. Now, church, let's go and do likewise. Let's stop trying to direct the attention for us. This is empty glory for us to go through life and say, pay attention to me, look at me. We need to be pointing our light to him. We need to be using our our moment, our vapor of this life to give glory to the one whom all things were created to and through and for. That's why we exist on this earth. And if you wanna be great, it starts with being humble. Humble enough to serve others. And when you finally realize that everything you have is given to you in Christ. You, did not, you haven't received anything that has not been given to you. You don't have to go find your significance or your approval from anybody else. When you realize that, when you humble yourselves, it will finally free you up to go and serve those people around you. And that will be true greatness. It's the very path that Jesus has laid for us. And as you've been listening today, if you don't know the greatest one of all, who had it all and gave it up so that we could know him, and have a relationship with him. If you don't know him this morning, we want you to know him. The story of the Bible is how Jesus stepped out of heaven. God himself knew that we could do nothing in our sin, that we offered him nothing. So he stepped down and paid the price for our sin himself to satisfy the justice and the wrath of God so that we could be in right relationship with him. And if you don't know him this morning, we want you to know him. If you have questions about him, please, if you wanna respond to this message, text High Point to 97000. We would love to have someone talk to you. We'd love to have someone talk to you about what it means to put your faith and your hope in Jesus because your righteousness is not gonna cut it. But his righteousness on our behalf has done it. It is finished. So we're not proud We're not in despair, we're humble. We have gospel perspective and it frees us up to go and love and serve our neighbor. How do we love God? We love the people that he's made. It's what he's called us to do. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we're so grateful for your word. God, we're thankful for the gospel. Um, This word, this good news, God, um, it shows us how inadequate we are, but it shows us how adequate you are how good you are, how gracious you are to us, God, that even in our sin, you died for us. So God, forgive us for all of the times that we're proud. Forgive us for all the attention we try to direct to ourselves. God, help us to use this moment, to use this life that you've given us, this breath in our lungs that you're literally giving us right now. We are living in your mercy. So God, help us to use our lives to point to the one who is merciful so that others will see you. God, help us to be a humble people. We will not do that without having a gospel perspective. We're so grateful for the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.